It's a new day, yes it is! Live from a Zoom call emanating from Lando Lakes, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, and well, that's it. It's a new day. <laughs> Feel the power. Take it away, guys. Uh, so what Dan is kind of, oh, first, actually, let me, I am Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed. And this is typically where Kofi would say that he is, he is Kofi <laughs> Kingston, and I would berate him for not saying more. But Kofi's not here. No, Kofi missed not. his flight. And that means uh, that he will not be here in time. Feel free to add him, to braid him, to chastise him. But we, we decided, uh, because of Kofi's absence, that we will bring in the illustrious, um, the mm. uh, a man whose whose insides we worry about on a regular mm -hmm. basis mm. because he told us he had he had six sodas six? and those are those are his morning sodas. Safe, that's, safe. That's, that's what he calls it. By the way, uh, that, that that is Dan uh, Reichert. Hi. Do they, do they not call it pop in Kansas City? I, I definitely grew up hearing it, you know, referred to as pop for sure. I think I, I took on soda at some point. It's not like soda was was a foreign concept in Kansas, but I think pop, soda, Coke, everything would just be called a Coke, you know, like a Seven Up or a yeah. Dr Pepper. It's like give me a Coke, you know. And right. It's all the same thing. Um, yeah, I used to. I, I am getting healthier though because I used to. I bought a mini fridge when I lived in San Francisco that I had right next to my bed, so it would help me wake up. And I would wake up and just reach over and grab a Mountain Dew right there. Which that was even a step up from college when this is a legit thing I did. Well, I always struggled getting out of bed. I've always been uh, like slept in and stuff like that. Uh, at one point, I bought a taser and uh, as a Damn. just goofy, dumbass, jackass, Damn. you know, uh, group of friends thing to do where, uh, oh, let's, we're going to tase each other and stuff. No. Uh, I actually for about a week tried like, well, what would wake me up more efficiently than waking up, reaching over and just it's not going to it's just a it's a little tiny zap. You put it on your arm and give yourself a little and that'll wake you right up for the day. I tried it for a week and I was like, I cannot live like this. Dan, you, you used to tase yourself to get out of bed. I don't know if it's technically a taser or a stun gun. It's not the one. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't doing the thing with the like things that stick in you. I was just doing the one with a little in between like the contacts. But you, know? you understand, like if you have the mindset to try to find something to motivate yourself to do something, you already have the motivation to do it, Dan. If you're willing right. to tase yourself, just get up. That's that's a whole to do. <laughs> you got to get up and put on clothes and sometimes it's cold and you don't want to get out from under the covers. So it's you, just a whole thing. So you need a taser to do all that. At I don't know. I, no, I've gotten progressively healthier about things. I've gone from tasing myself to having a fridge right next to my bed to like, oh, I'll get up and like walk around a bit and, you know, pet the dog, say hi to my wife. And then I'll, you know, meander over to the fridge and have my morning Mountain Dew. What is the, what is a, this MMD, this morning Mountain Dew? It's caffeine. You understand caffeine. I don't have energy drinks because that's too much caffeine. I worry that'll make me anxious. I've never tried an energy drink. Uh, and then I, I've never been a coffee person. I'm kind of, I'm dabbling with the coffee thing lately, but uh, Mountain Dew is just a perfect, uh, they got the Major Melon. Major Melon's great. I, uh, I bought like 24 boxes of that uh, a few months ago and I'm still going through it. So yeah, that's, that's the right mix. It's, it's the, the porridge too hot, too cold, just right. That's the morning Mountain Dew is the just right. Wait, Major Melons wasn't uh, one of Macho Man's uh, valets in WCW? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was with Steiner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, we're burying the lead here, going into my, my dumb stuff. Mr. Money in the Bank is sitting right here on the Zoom call. Yeah, you'd say something. That is me. Well, uh, well, I was going to get into it in the, on the intro. And uh, I am a Big E, and I've decided that because I have the Money in the Bank briefcase, I found that there is a loophole, and uh, I want to use that to cash in to get my last name. That's right, that's right. Oh my God. You, you know, because uh, titles, titles are important. Uh, they are, don't get me wrong. But uh, I think I'd like to use it to have, you know, I'm gonna sit on it. <laughs> I'm gonna sit and think on it. But uh, I actually found it in the fine print. I think it allowed me to get my last name back. I know is that in the paperwork? I think it is, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had my lawyer look over it and he hit me with no. that clause. And uh, we celebrated, you know, because that really, <laughs> that really is the victory, is becoming whole again. So o Otis could have been Dozovic again? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Imagine, imagine if there's like a, this is the, money, the normal money in the briefcase, but everyone who lost the last name <laughs> or a first name, got a Cesaro, it's men or yeah. women. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. If you win this briefcase, <laughs> you get your, your name back and no one can take it from you again. Oh, that's man, that's, that's, wow, that's the Dude, big iron part. Class? 
bad. You can't take it back after? The ring might be very full with all the people, uh, you know, <laughs> it might be too crowded to actually execute. But, uh, you can't even hit schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You can't get ladders in there. There's like 30 people in there who don't want names anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most dangerous match in the company. <laughs> yeah. TLC, nah. All of a sudden, nah. You got that money in the big last name match? Ooh. Yeah, I was trying to think of a good name for it, but that might just be it. Yeah, just as long as possible. Their first names, though, too. I think because uh, mm. uh, Cesaro was uh, Antonio. Oh, was, yeah, he was. Yes, he was. Which seems weird in, in retrospect. And I know Seamus always calls him Tony still. So it's still, people are keeping, keeping it alive <laughs> uh, in a way. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. That's what I want to do. So yeah, I was really excited when I found that out. You know, <laughs> the title of being a, being a world champion is exciting. But man, you know, you know how bad I wanted that license. You had your lawyer look over the paperwork. <laughs> and yeah, right, 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 right here, it, section A two. In my head, when you said we celebrated, I imagine y'all did the, the the handshake from Fresh Prince with him and Jazzy yeah. Jeff <laughs> with the head back. <laughs> <laughs> just just imagine the confusion too as I'm sprinting down to the ring yeah. <laughs> after a world championship match and I cash it in but instead of hitting whoever I'm supposed to hit to win it I explain no 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 I grab a mic actually this is to get my last name back I know that it's confusing typically you you think I'm you know about to become a, a world champion here but no I, I really wanted my last name thank you all for, for supporting me and, and get home safe do you have to <laughs> beat someone or can you just do that in the office <laughs> Do you have to go out and make a whole to-do out of it? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, Does a referee so... have to be involved? You have to Ooh. run to the office and just start banging over your face, <laughs> pointing at it. I'm already, I'm ready. Yeah, I need a flight to Stanford. I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think you can go to TV. Yeah, right. But I'll, I'll make sure a camera crew is there so, so, it's, so it actually makes TV. Yeah. So there's no confusion, right? Yeah. At least socials. <laughs> yes. So um, that's me. Um, Mr. Money in the Bank, but soon to be Mr. Biggie Langston. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And right, I could be known, you know, Mr. Biggie Langston works. That works because I have the last name. I have, I've, I've earned the authority to, to be a Mr. again. It uh, doesn't make as much sense. It's Wait, so you're adding a Mr.? Because you were never Mr. Biggie Langston before. So when well, you cast, can you also get a Mr.? Yeah, that's right. I'm still he lost a Mr. He lost okay. it, but then gained the respect. Right. Don't you get that? By fighting back for the name. So they're like, Mr. Hughes got it. I'm trying to think of the different Mr.'s in wrestling history. <laughs> and Mr. Hughes. Not a lot of Mr.'s. Mr. McMahon. Well, uh, hmm. I, is that the only? That's a good I'm trying to think. Misters. Mr. Perfect. Oh, of course. Oh, true. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. What's yeah. wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Yes, yeah. Good call. Good call. You'd think that Mr. they'd be using that more. Mr. Wonderful, right? Right, of course. Okay. True. So we're, we're counting monikers too? Monikers count? Or was are you like, uh, oh, yeah, that's. Well, did, was Mr. Hughes billed as Mr. Hughes? Just Mr. Hughes? I guess he was at one point, right? That's a good is question. Did Langston Hughes? No, uh -oh. <laughs> that was not Langston Hughes. I think it was Curtis Hughes. No, I'm trying Hughes. to I'm getting mixed up with Langston Hughes. <laughs> uh, Curtis Hughes, right? Yes, it was Curtis Hughes. But he, I feel like at one point, it, yeah. This is, I, I'm actually really enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> Langston Hughes was a poet. Was there not a wrestler, Langston no, Hughes? No, Langston Hughes, he, he was a poet. I just yeah. Googled him, okay. Yeah. Right, I assumed so, you were going to get there on your own. So I yeah, I got there. Yeah, was, he, was he Mr. Curtis Hughes in WCW and Mr. Hughes in WWF? That might be right. Is that what it is? We got Mr. FCW 2. We've got Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2. Small yes. Mid-South yeah. stuff. Mr. FCW yeah. 2, that's, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, that is yeah. me. I, I was once, for one night only. Got that picture of him. I was Mr. FCW 2. Incredible photo. It was something. Uh, there was a Mr. Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, 1 and 2. Uh, Jimmy Carter, I think his favorite wrestler was Mr. Wrestling 2. Oh, yeah, oh, really? I think there's a picture of Mr. Wrestling 2 and Jimmy Carter together, yeah. Uh, if you guys know, when Curtis Hughes became Mr. Hughes, tweet us. We're asking the tough questions here. Tw tweet Woods, because I'm not, I, I, I would have, I'll, I'll lose interest by the time this drops and you tweet me. So yeah, tweet, tweet Woods, don't, don't tweet me. I'm not going to respond. Make sure you at Biggie as well. I mean, you can, it's just going to be a waste of, of 
You know what? You know what's gonna be exciting though. Make sure you tag Kofi too. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of confusion. (laughs) Matter of fact, only tag Kofi. Yeah, just tag Kofi. (laughs) (laughs) Any questions about today's podcast? Just tag Kofi and ask him. If if you're not on Twitter, make an account for this. It's important. Yes, Yes. and don't include any context to. Don't explain what we talked about. Uh, Yes, I just want confusion on his part. Mass confusion. If if y'all, if if we could do this and put hashtag Ask Kofi, so people think that that don't know what's going on. Maybe think he has a Q&A open. Yeah. We've got a mailbag just... episode with Kofi coming up. So everyone do yeah. hashtag ask Kofi, tag yes. through Kofi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, this will be good next week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why I, I enjoy this so much, but I'm, I'm into that. Yes. <laughs> I am. But yes, uh, we have Dan here because Kofi is not here. So we're really, uh, we're going to lean heavily on Dan. Dan, That's a, that's uh, a poor replacement. A Kofi's a former world champion. I'm just some guy that, that plays video games and well, has a beard. This, I'm not sure if you know this, Dan, but this is a podcast. This is not a wrestling match. So, uh. <laughs> I'm just saying in terms of just general star power and stuff, I'm some schmo. He's Kofi Kingston. Hey, this is it, a poor replacement. If, if they've gotten this far, they're already going to listen to the rest of it, Dan. I guess so that's come true. on. So just just give them everything you got, whatever type of sweet dance you got in that brain of yours. That's it's a bunch of sweet dancing happening up here. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> yeah, we need you to drop some gems. You watched uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, I did every yes. second of it. Every, every second, of you course. Didn't, you didn't have like a prolonged blink or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I probably peed two or three times and went to the fridge a couple times, but uh, overall, eyes locked on the entire time. Even some pre-show going on there too. Okay. I gotta say, it was uh, it was heartwarming, E, to see you on top of that ladder. That was great. I felt really good for you. Well, thank you very much, Dan. You're a very kind man. Uh, it, it was a very cool moment. It was, uh, and it made me uh, as uh, incredible as that moment was. I did it for some reason. Uh, it made me just feel bad for people who had their moments during the pandemic. You know, people like Drew, because uh, it's still like it still goes in the ledger as, as you're a world champion and uh, it's still very cool. But, uh, you know, to me, the best moments in wrestling are always because of fan reactions. Anything that happens like in a vacuum, wrestling in a vacuum to me is it's OK. Like even I'm trying to think of a, a perfect match. And if you just take all the fans out and it's it'll never be the same. It just can't be. Or the big ones, you know, the, the Rock Hogans and things like that that were largely defined by the crowd reactions. You know, like you you do lose something. I think the company did an incredible job during unforeseen and unprecedented circumstances. Of course. But there definitely was something about like seeing Edge come out, for example, when like, you know, you saw the reaction at the Rumble in 2020. It was one of the all-time great reactions. And then for him not to get that first match back in front of a crowd, it was, you know, it was a bummer. There's nothing you could have done about it, though. So to see him come out and have that crowd and everything now and, and see the obvious like energy that gives him like, it's it's really cool to see the fans back. Yes, yeah, I agree. It definitely is, and uh, yeah, it was. It's just a it's a really cool moment. Like winning is great too, but I think what what made it more uh, more enjoyable for me too was just like the fact that people were really into the match, and uh, just just the moments too of you know you, when you're in a match, there are certain moments where you think this is where it's going to start to crescendo from a fan reaction. And sometimes it doesn't really hit the way you think it will. And that's what I love about wrestling and what we do in our industry is because you plan to have a crowd go uh, along with you in a certain journey, but sometimes they'll decide to to go their own way. Um, But when you have an idea of, you know, this is when you're really going to get them and they're actually there and they're as hot or hotter than you thought, like that's that's really cool. So uh, just knowing... All right, this is this is the stretch where I'm about to grab this thing, and uh, the fact that they weren't booing, the fact that they were with <laughs> me is is very cool. And I was, I've told people before too, like the fact that people aren't sick of us by now is incredible <laughs> to me. Like we've been because we've been in a good spot with the company for seven years now, at least six years, at least a, six of that, maybe about time. seven years. That is a long time to not and to not get you know new day fatigue with with any of us is uh, it's pretty cool. So it was very very heartwarming in a way not that I didn't expect, but in a way that was almost overwhelming. It was just everyone was so positive, which was very very cool to see. But yeah, it was it was a really cool night and one I remember for a long time. All right, we're gonna dig into this more next week when we got Kofi back because it's a you know a little little group thing, little group thing. So we want to make sure y'all get the full experience. Yeah, we'll talk about Money in the Bank when Kofi can actually make his flight to do his <laughs> job, to be here, to talk with us. Missing flights is usually Woods' gimmick. Wow, because I've Whoa. done it once. How dare you, Dan? Wow, How Dan. Dare you? After we have invited you. 
After we have invited you to sit down, I can turn this off. I can turn this off. Yeah. I bet you don't. You don't. 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 Okay. You know we got nothing to talk about. Bro, I don't. I also don't know because you guys were still traveling the whole pandemic. For me, it was different. Well, you guys, I mean, you know, Cove Woods. Uh, I hadn't been traveling, so it was a breeze for me. But boy, the traveling is kicking my ass. So I'm still like, I slept probably 11 hours last night. And I'm like, I'm rested, but I'm still kind of in a daze. So I, I don't know, man. I'm still trying to figure out life. And, you know, this is, it's also, this is something that we used to do all the time. It, be, it was very regular. We used to do this all the time. We used to do more shows. I only did two shows this past loop. We used to do five shows a week, be home for a day and a half, go back on the road. Very normal. I don't know, like, I guess there's a bit of, did you feel, did you feel like you hopped right back on the bicycle and it was normal again for you this past loop? To travel? Yeah, because I was going to Florida. So it felt like it felt regular packing and all that stuff. And I knew exactly like what I wanted to bring with me. Like actually through the pandemic, I changed my packing style so I can pack faster and like more efficiently. So it actually, it felt fine getting out there uh, to to travel. But it, the weird part for me was... Uh, just being in a different place and having to go do different things. Because getting in that habit of like, okay, as soon as the show's done, I'm going to go to this Waffle House, grab food, and then I'm done, done for the night. Like, it's like, okay, being in Fort Worth and then driving to Dallas and then finding the place in Dallas and staying in Dallas and getting up in Dallas. And it's like, wait, but this is, oh, everything is different. Everything is different. And so uh, I think I think that'll go away soon because once, once it kicks back into gear and our bodies get used to being gone in different places and different climates and all that type of stuff, I think it'll kick back because it's, it's, it's a little weird right now. It is a little weird. Like, to me, the actual shows performing, that to me is not weird. That feels very much like that is awesome. That I love. And it doesn't feel foreign. That feels like, oh, I'm back to doing what we all love. Like, this is it. But it's, it's all the other stuff, the booking, the hotels, the traveling and all that. Didn't you, actually, I don't know if you've ever talked about this in the podcast, but you had an idea that's kind of brilliant, but uh, it's, you talked about doing a show in Vegas, like a residency and just, and just circulating different performers. So maybe yeah. what, like we would all do like three months a piece and then uh -huh. rotate out. Yeah. So if you have the A team, B team, C team, so A team works first six months of the year. B team works the second six months of the year. C team comes in on the third month of the year, leaves on the ninth month of the year. So there's that overlay. So for instance, if it's wrestling, and let's say let's say we have the whole WWE roster, um, you know, um, A team, let's say like Randy's on it, we're on it, uh, AJ's on it, boom. And then on B team, you know that like, uh, let's say Reigns is on it and Rollins is on it. And so when we're into our three months, like we're doing, we could do different shows every night or we could do like the one different shows, like one, one show a week. Um, but as you, as you start to see certain people come back, like you see that like, let's say Seth comes back, but it's like two weeks before B team's supposed to show up. He's your reminder that, oh my God, the roster is about to fully flip or like it's about to head, it's about to half flip and get an injection of like 20 more guys and girls. And now we know for that three months, they're going to be interacting. And then as those last, as the A team starts to filter out, you see C team people start to come in and you go, oh my God, I know they've been doing interviews and they were doing Disney movies and they were doing all this other stuff that was non-wrestling for six months. I didn't forget about them because they're becoming bigger stars in the ether elsewhere. So I know they're doing stuff, but I forgot for a second that they wrestled, but now they're coming back to this Vegas residency and I know they're here for six months. So every first person that you collected in other fields, in movies, in cars, in makeup, in YouTube, on Twitch, wherever you're going, you're now bringing all those people every six months and you, you get to go back and grab more. And while you're at work tending to the people who are fans, there's so many people on their six months, quote unquote, like off to do other stuff, to bring people from different realms. And so you're circulating who's going out and grabbing new people at literally all times. It's a, it's a novel idea. I, I'm really intrigued by that idea. Right? Because of the nature of Vegas, it's pe new people in and out. Yeah. So it's not like you're just running the same town and seeing the same fans all the time. I'm, uh, I mean, it'll, ne it'll never happen. I know, but, yeah. <laughs> but should it? I, who's yeah. it? I, I think it probably should. Especially if we start this traveling wrestling school too. Oh, I'm, why am I? I'm. I know we mentioned it, but we didn't. I blanked. Why did we get to that? Yeah, why <laughs> I did we? Get, what was, 
Oh, it was some idea about like, oh, it was a reality show, right? Oh yeah, like Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> so don't we, we teach people to wrestle and then we marry them? Was that it? There was also something we married <laughs> Don't think that was part of it. No, no, no. No, we had a separate conversation. No, we didn't. That we, must we have been a, off the podcast. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing conversations because didn't you recently have an idea about marrying uh, wrestling fans? Oh, no, it was a, we go on the road, we, all three of us get ordained, and we go on the road just marrying wrestling fans in different towns. Yeah, and I thought you said, like, be, okay, because the end, I would imagine the end of the episode would be get them getting married, but I, didn't you mention something about training them to wrestle? Well, yeah, for the for the wedding parties. See? Yeah, don't, all right, don't, and all, you, you're both laughing at me like I'm an I idiot. I don't think the wedding part was on the podcast. It was a separate okay, conversation. It wasn't, it wasn't that's yeah, true. Yeah. We texted about it, because, okay, so I did a, um... I, I spoke to someone who who uh, won a contest or they, they won uh, an auction and uh, we were talking and he, him and his girl are getting married and they're like, oh, could we would love if you would marry us. I'm like, oh, I'm not ordained, but he is. And they're like, oh my God, well, you'll be in our city in like a month or so. And I was like, what if, what if he just married people every time we went to you? And then it was like, what if the three of us got ordained and just traveled and married wrestling fans? And then if you get like the big one or, you're, or it's like the season finale, we train the wedding parties to wrestle and have a match. And then for their first dance, it's at the end of that match in the ring. And we set them all up like 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 Macho Man and Elizabeth. We could do, <laughs> do the whole But they deal. don't tell anyone they're training. So basically exactly. they think it's just going to be a dance. And all of a sudden they're doing like superplexes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like, remember remember when flash mobs were big? And the only reason, at weddings too. And the only reason I remember that is because I was I was watching The Office uh, recently and uh, Jim and Pam's wedding, uh, they leave, I think they leave to, at some point they leave to get married at Niagara Falls. But anyways, they have, like against their will, because I think Pam's wish was that there wasn't a flash. She knew that they, because flash mobs were hot at the time, something she didn't, she told her sister, I don't want this. But anyways, they do a flash mob anyways. But in lieu of flash mob, that's cool. It's like someone gets up to object for the wedding, but then uh-huh. someone says, you can't object. Then they throw a lariat. There's a duck <laughs> one. Now we're cooking. <laughs> yes. And it looks like, oh, these two people are going rogue. What are they doing? But now like other people start coming up and there's, you know, people come up and then maybe, maybe the whole thing filters into some, maybe there's like a wrestling ring uh, next door or something, or it could just mm-hmm. be like a brawl. And I don't know. There's the a lot of Tears off the buttons and it's a ref shirt. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you see, Love there's it. some real possibilities here. I, I'm so an ordained minister. I should do this. I, I've done some uh, weddings before. Oh, I'm doing one in September, God. actually. I didn't know this. What? Well, of course you're ordained. Yeah, I was the minister <laughs> for my sister's wedding a couple years ago, and I got a friend who works at PlayStation. I'm going to Minnesota in September and uh, officiating that one. Respect you. Respect. Yeah, it's fun. It's nerve wracking because it's like if you screw it up, it's like, oh God, this is like their day. So if I stumble I or get nervous or something, like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Well, you uh, shoot the pilot. Sure, sure, I can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll be the ref preacher. <laughs> there's, there's something there. I feel there's something there. And again, if you're listening to this podcast, don't don't steal that idea. It's it's TM. I think if you just say TM, yeah. I think that's yeah. Legally, TM. yeah, you're covered. Right, right. yeah. Circle R. Just that's there's the that, C. Right? There's the TM. Well, the R is restricted. C is copyright. T yeah. is trademark. And they seem interchangeable, but I'm sure legally they're super not. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't know yeah. the difference. It belongs to us. If you want to talk. Go ahead and shoot some DMs if you got that cash. Right. But <laughs> yeah, no, the residency in uh, Vegas, I think, is a, is a great idea. And uh, it'll never happen. But, you know, it is cool <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be back in, uh, in front of our fans. I don't, want, I don't want people to think, ah, that, they don't like that. They'd rather just go to Vegas instead. Uh, no, no, but, no, 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 no. Uh, I, did, I did talk about the fact that, you know, oftentimes when you're out there, you don't really notice people. But I did notice um, for some of you who saw... Uh, at the end of the ladder match, the Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, there was a man, a man with some, some melanin in him, similar to mine. Uh, and that man, in case, because I don't know if did commentary, I don't know if commentary explained who that was at all or mentioned. I, I don't think, think so. so. No, I mean, he was shown on camera several times. I don't think it was addressed, though. Okay. Um, but that is a man that goes by the name of West Side Gun. And uh, he is a rapper from Buffalo. He's actually, he is uh, in a crew, uh, a label, I guess it's a label, uh, called Griselda. And they're really dope. So it's him, uh, Conway, and Benny the Butcher. But they're all, I think they're all from Buffalo. But they're all like, they're they're really hitting their stride. Uh, Tyler, the creator, just dropped an album that might be album of the year. But he actually credited uh, West Side Gun for kind of giving him that spark again to really love like rapping it. So like, yeah, West Side is really, like, really doing some really cool things. He's just a massive wrestling fan. So a lot of shows, you'll see him front row. Uh, he's been at shows for years now. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a good crew of, of rappers who 
love wrestling. Uh, Smoke Dizza is uh, someone I consider a friend, and he's you see him at shows too, obviously Wale. Uh, and one of the things that I love, and I always wanted to, and I think we're starting to get there now, but starting to bridge that divide between hip hop and wrestling because there are so many rappers who really love wrestling. And not just the old school stuff, but actually currently watch the product today. And also, you know, there's so many wrestlers who, who love hip hop as well. And it was, it was intended to be obscure, but actually my gear was an ode to, to hip hop, to an album that I love called Below the Heavens. And uh, it's Blue in Exile. Blue is the rapper. Exile is the producer. He produces the whole album. And uh, it's just a really special album. I found it at a place. So for me, I love the album because it's very soul sample heavy. So a lot of that that early like Kanye style of producing beats when everyone was in love with Kanye and he could do no wrong, that like college dropout era was those sped up soul samples. So we would take like old Shaka Khan and, and it has that like chip monkey sound because it's kind of, I think it's just sped up is the reason for that. Um, so we just play with these soul samples and that's what like Below the Heavens and not not in a way that feels like he he stole from Kanye, but uh, he really Exile uses a lot of those soul samples that I just really loved. And the album resonated with me too because it dropped at a time where I was kind of trying to figure out my place in the world, being in college, what my life was going to be like, how I wanted to carry myself, and that and the album is really. Uh, Blue, the rapper, is confronting similar things as well, and like what kind of legacy is he going to leave for for his child, uh, you know, finding love, all those things that you all kind of, you know, that a lot of young men grapple with, you know, in their early 20s, late teens. So I love that album. The album is incredible. And uh, I actually didn't even realize this at the time that I talked to our guy, Johnny, who's been designing our gear forever. Um, but the anniversary of that album was the Saturday before. It was the very day before uh, it turned 14, I think. I think the album dropped, I want to say in... 2007, I think that sounds right. Um, yeah, when you said this to us, I was like, how, how could this happen? <laughs> it's so yeah, crazy. super random. But yeah, it, but uh, so yeah, it was never, like you guys, the, the Power Rangers gear is so, every, you just get it right away, especially if you're anywhere near our age. So I knew it wasn't going to resonate like that. It's like, all right, this is something that's for me. And probably there might be a dozen other people who see it care about it, notice it, whatever. But I just wanted to do it. That was cool. But yeah, on the jacket, which I'm sure a lot of people didn't get to see, uh, but it has the the song titles on the back and whatnot. And uh, the a lot of the art is very similar to the album art of Below the Heavens. So that's what uh, that's what went into it. I know, uh, Woodsy, you also got some new gear. So we, we got a, a, a box of new gear. I don't want to give it away because you haven't been able to wear it yet. But uh, Kofa obviously got new gear as well. And that was clean. I think people will assume. So Kofi was was essentially Skeletor, if you were unable to tell. So incredibly clean. Uh, my gear is He-Man. It's very exciting times. But there's a, a cool thing that uh, John Cohn told us. So in July, they came out with a new He-Man comic. Uh, and it features King Grayskull, who is like the predecessor to He-Man, but he's black and just has like these long locks and all of his coloring like on his gear is like the colors that uh, Johnny made my stuff. And it's like, oh. The He-Man stuff makes a ton of sense. That's legit, like why we did it. We had the conversation. We said, oh, they already made the many faces. So that's, let's do He-Man. Like, oh, actually, so they always, really cool thing with the, the figures is they just automatically send the new ones to the house. Yeah, I love your dining room at your house. It's just an action figure table. Is it still that way? <laughs> yes, it is. Because I bought the dining table in, in the all thinking, all right, you know, when I moved in my house eight years ago, that I'll have people over from time to time, maybe a Thanksgiving dinner here, a Christmas dinner. Then I soon realized that's not happening because I don't have people over. So I was like, all right, I got this table. I might as well do something. So let me just put these action figures on it. I have yet to sit down at the table to have any kind of meal whatsoever. So it's, yeah, it's a good... <laughs> it's a nice spread, though, of all your action figures over the years. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. It is, I'm not big, as as we've talked about before, I'm not big on holding on to a lot of stuff. But that's the one thing, you know, that I think is pretty cool. Obviously, play with wrestling action figures as a kid. So, uh, yeah, I, I hold on to those things. Don't judge me. I, 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 I said it was nice. No, no, I'm talking to the audience. I'm talking <laughs> oh, to the okay. audience. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. I was like, I, the both of us collect things. I can things. feel it. No, yeah. you're very complimentary. The both of you were. But, yeah, yeah, there are a few people listening right now. They're judging. And... Uh, <laughs> I can't see you, but I see you, if you feel me. 
No judgment here. I'm sitting in a room just filled with video game memorabilia. And I respect it. And so is Woods. Speaking of He-Man WWE stuff, you know, brand synergy. Did you guys see Space Jam? Because I feel like that's just nothing but mashing together. I, I watched it last night. Yes. And, you watched it last and your night. thoughts? Thoughts? Uh, severely disliked it. I'll really? say that. And I liked the first one. I liked the first one. I liked Looney Tunes. Grew up on Looney Tunes and all that. Uh, not a sports guy, but that didn't stop me from liking the first one, you know? Uh this one, it, it felt like it was made like by a marketing department, you know, where it's just like, oh, we're going to sell our fine, you know, properties, all our intellectual properties. It's all about just like cramming every possible Warner Brothers thing into this movie. Like it feels like there's no heart to it. Like the whole movie is about this algorithm played by Don Cheadle, but like it, it feels like a movie made by an algorithm. Like it's there's there's just really no heart to it. It feels very, very cold, very corporate, I would say. Sorry to hear that. How was uh, LBJ? Uh, he's about what you would expect. He, he's that caliber of like, you know, whenever you have an athlete hosting SNL and it's just like, all right, they made it through the sketch. Peyton Manning set his lines or whatever. It's like, yeah. you know, you're not expecting Academy Award winning acting from, from LeBron, but hey, he's, he's playing himself. It's, it's fine. You know, I, that's not the thing I would criticize the movie for. I just think it is just super predictable and uh, just a lot of shoehorning. Like, I don't really need to see Foghorn Leghorn dresses Daenerys saying, well, winter is coming. You know, like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of that for like two hours. I'm just like, here's Austin Powers. Hey, remember this? Remember, uh, you know, Mad Max? Remember, it's just, just one thing after another of just like, check out these WWE properties. So, but everything you just said, I really liked. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's stuff you like. It's like, oh, here's some Harry Potter stuff. Here's some Game of Thrones stuff. Here's the Matrix. But it's just like, it's not really clever. It's just like, now we're in Matrix land and Speedy Gonzalez is doing the Neo Dodge and stuff. It's just, okay. it's more just shoving it in just to have it there versus having a reason or anything interesting to do with it. You know what I mean? So question, uh, I'd have to go back and watch the original Space Jam, but I don't feel like there's much of that, if any. But do you feel like you have such strong feelings about it as an adult because you had such strong feelings about the first one as a kid? I, I asked my my wife about that because we both liked the first one. And it's like, no, I think the first one functioned on its own as a movie. I mean, it did do kind of that brand mixing stuff, but it kind of just stayed like, it's Michael Jordan in Looney Tunes world. Whereas this one was just so overwrought with that stuff that I think if I was a kid and I'm seeing this stuff, like half the references, like it's a lot of like rated R movies that most kids probably haven't seen. It's stuff like Casablanca references. And you know, kids love Casablanca. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just like, who is this for? Outside of like the war marketing department you know <laughs> Good call. Like, i think i looked at my wife when the casablanca scene popped up. i was like why are they doing this who is this for <laughs> i'm i'm old and i barely get casablanca references too yeah. when did that movie come out it came out in like i think the 50s like the early 50s and i had not seen it despite being a film major in college i had never seen it until about 19, six months ago 1942 1942 okay wow. it's in the middle of world war ii yeah in the middle of world wow. war ii um no i saw it like six months ago and i'm not a big like classic film buff like old black and white stuff but i gotta say casablanca was really good i'm so i'm amazed like just real because obviously i knew it was an older movie when you see the reference uh, but the only reason I know that reference is because cartoons would shove it down our throats so much. And it, it was already old then. Yeah. Like oh. for a movie reference, like for children, like you don't pick something relevant. Yeah, if all. Looney Tunes parodied that in the 60s, it would already be a like 25-year-old <laughs> reference. Yeah. <laughs> That's how old Casablanca is. And it's always just the here's looking at you kid thing. That's the only thing I knew about it forever. Right. Yeah, it holds yeah. up though. It's good. That's a shame. Uh, I do love classic movies, though. I'm sorry to hear that you don't. Uh, I went through a big classic movie phase a few years ago. But I also, I love classic TV shows as well. It's, it's, well what do you know. consider classic? Like, yeah. like I, I love watching like stuff from the 70s and like 60s and stuff. When I think classic movies, I think of like the, the 30s, the 40s, black and yeah, white AMC. stuff. Like, that's the stuff I don't watch a lot of, you know? Yeah, what's the cutoff? Uh, I guess it depends on how old you are. I, I think 80s for me. I think probably anything before I was born is considered classic in my mind. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's okay. like the 80s. Like some of the best stuff was from the 80s and tons of great cinema in the 70s. It's just like that ancient, <sighs> ancient stuff that I consider like, oh, that's classic cinema. That's what I'm saying. Are you, are you saying like stuff like uh, like The Breakfast Club is considered like classic, like Casablanca is considered classic? No, that's in the it's nostalgia in zone. Kinds. I think the 80s are like the nostalgia zone, yeah. 80s and 90s. I think classic it sounds more like vintage, you know? That's fair. That, that's a fair assessment. I can, I can rock with that. Yeah. Same that's with so TV shows, like stuff from the 80s and 90s and everything. Like I, I watch old episodes of Letterman from like 86 almost nightly, you know? So like that stuff I don't consider like classic, you know? It's older. Yeah. Mm. 
Do they hold up those old Letterman's? A lot of it does. A lot of it is still like weird stuff. They're like, I can't believe they were putting this on NBC nightly, you know, back then because it was just so weird and different and and not the normal stuff you would see on network television. A lot of the stuff, especially like when you bring on standups and stuff from back then, it's just like, well, okay, we've uh, we've moved past some of this material for sure. Um, but no, the actual like the core humor is like. I consider Letterman to be like my absolute icon in terms of just comedy and entertainment. So I okay. grew up watching him. I was going to ask, why do you pick Letterman, like old Letterman to watch? Because I remember when I was a little, little kid, I remember I was only allowed to stay up late on, on Fridays. And when I was at my dad's place, I would stay at his place on the weekends. And he loved, loved, loved Letterman. And so I was so excited for Fridays always because I got to stay up late enough to watch Letterman with my dad. And he would just do this stuff that was just weird and stupid. And it's just like, wh why are they spending this whole segment running over watermelons and canned hams with a steamroller? And I was just <laughs> fascinated by that. Or it's like, oh, he's pretending to work at this Taco Bell and he's screwing with people. Or like there's one episode I watched where like throughout the whole hour, they were rotating the camera slowly. So like the whole time. And so for like a good chunk of the show, it's just upside down. And I was just like, how, do, how are they getting away with this? This is amazing. So yeah, I mean, like very, very young memories of, of growing up with that stuff. And uh, so there's nostalgia, but also I think it incredible holds up today yeah sure. is that where you take your hosting skills from i mean honestly with in terms of any kind of like on camera stuff like i probably am unconsciously taking stuff from letterman all the time yeah one of my favorite things was uh did you guys ever see when he would go to rupert's deli uh, it was the deli right next to the studio there's like this old guy that ran a deli and, and letterman would always bring a camera inside there he would have like a remote from from the deli and there were always tourists and people waiting outside just kind of wanting to get on camera to get on letterman or whatever and he would do a game show called please stop calling me chief but the people wouldn't know that they were on the game show so he would literally just pull in a tourist off the street bring him into the deli and letterman would be talking to him through the camera and he's like How's it going, Chief? Oh, it's going pretty good. Where are you from, Chief? Oh, I'm from Florida. Oh, great. You're on vacation, Chief? Uh, yeah, I'm up here. Okay, Chief, so where'd you go today? And the whole thing was, if you said, please stop calling me Chief, you won like a platter of meat and cheese from the deli. <laughs> but you never knew you were on the game show, so it always just wound up being Letterman calling a guy Chief for like five minutes and no one knowing what's going on. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. See, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I want to do. Just, yeah, yeah, just random acts of, of nonsense. I'm, I'm into that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, he had a camera once, the stationary camera, just showing the front of a Jamba Juice and just like the windows. And the segment was called, How Many Spider-Men Can We Fit Inside a Jamba Juice? And they apparently just bought like 50 Spider-Man outfits and dressed up like PAs or whatever as Spider-Man. And they would just send him in and have him just stand and look out the window <laughs> and see how many they could do before someone asked them to leave. And it went throughout the entire show. So let's check in, let's send and five more Spider-Men. And then they ran out of Spider-Man outfits and was like, okay, we have a Superman. Let's send him in. Let's just... <laughs> and no one at the Jamba Juice ever said to stop, so it just filled up by the end. <laughs> oh, man. That's so incredible. we're going we're gonna to need to steal all these things for our <laughs> traveling, uh, marrying wrestling fan show. Beautiful. It'll hold up. Yeah, hopefully. See, I never, I never really got into late night, I think, because mostly because I wasn't able to stay up that late as a kid. So I feel like I, I just, you always hear about, how, oh, how great Leno and Letterman are and whatnot. And Entertainment Tonight would, like, would always cover that stuff too. But a lot of stuff went over my head. So I feel like I missed out. I might need to go yeah. back. What well, is, what is the people on? that were saying Leno was great were lying to you, by the way. Is Leno, Leno was no good. Leno sucks. <laughs> He's always sucked. You think he sucks in comparison or you think he just sucks? It was just really hacky stand-up acts and just like the same Lewinsky jokes, every other, you know, joke. He also just kind of had a reputation. He screwed over uh, Conan. He was kind of a jerk to Letterman. Letterman was a jerk too, but like Leno just has kind of a legacy of being a jerk and, and kind of a hack. He was super respected when he first got into the comedy scene. Um, but I think once he took over The Tonight Show, especially, it's just he never had the material after that. And he was just kind of a jerk to more talented people. But, but Letterman, Conan, top notch. I don't know how people do stand-up comedy. I, I, there's People are so funny. It seems so terrifying. Because you guys have to do a certain amount of, like, improv, right? Improv, definitely. Because, yeah. like, stand-up, like, improv, it's, you kind of just rant. And it, as long as, like, you're trying to amuse yourself, you might make somebody giggle. But, like, when stand-up, you got to come with, like, some material. And like yeah, right the, the writing reality. part of stand up is, yeah. is, I think, the challenging thing versus improv, which is like on the fly coming up with something funny. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, improv. I don't even know if I'd be that great at improv, but at least it's more akin to what we do. But stand stand up is. Uh, I have a ton of respect for people who do stand up. And the cool, usually when I have time, when I'm in LA, we'll often go to like the the comedy store. There's actually a really good uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, definitely see the comedy store. Die if you're into that stuff. There was a Showtime documentary 
earlier this year, I think not that long ago, uh, just a documentary on the history. And it's just incredible. Like just the fact that you can randomly, like Dave Chappelle will just decide randomly to roll in at times at like 11 PM and just do a set real quick. Like that's, that stuff is incredible to me. And, and it's, this is something really special to me about like, hey, you'll do, you'll just roll into a room of 50 people. We're not talking about these massive like arena shows, just these really intimate environments where some of the greatest comics of all time will just roll in, work on some new material or see a friend and step on stage. I think that's the really cool part about stand up comedy is it's just uh, you have these just massive stars playing these tiny rooms, just random people coming in from vacation from Hoboken or something are, are getting to see these legends, which I think is dope. That's the, the comedy cellar is that when I lived in New York City, like I would go there all the time and it's just this tiny little room. But any night of the week, you know, Seinfeld could drop in, Chappelle, Chris Rock, you know, any of these legends could just walk in. And like you said, they're trying out new material. So it's not this like super duper polished like stadium show set that they've, you know, got down to a science. It's stuff that they're like, I don't know if this is funny. Let's find out. And they test it in front of this crowd. Like that stuff is fascinating. I used to love going to the cellar. So agreed. Wait, and Chappelle. Chappelle is the king of like, you know, have you guys seen him live? No. Oh my God. I saw him in Minneapolis once. And it's just like, he did like maybe an hour of just like his set and like obvious jokes. And then he was just like, what do you guys want to talk about? And people would just say stuff and he would just on the spot have like 40 minutes of incredible material. And it was like, it wound up being like a three and a half hour show. And two and a half hours of that was him just like talking to the audience and being the funniest person you've, you've ever heard, you know? So insane. It's like the, the ability to do like, like a one man show. So like, uh, did you ever see Tyson's one man show? No, I heard about no, it. Oh, yeah. Incredible. And he's just talking like about his life. And it gets so intense because he talks about how he's like, you know, 13, 14, like knocking out grown men, but making himself like so like just endearing and vulnerable and likable. And it's like, this is how, what? What? He can do this? This story is this interesting? It's just like somebody's ability to do something like that, whether it is like stand up comedy, um, improv as well. So people like like Wayne Brady blow my mind. Who have the like who's lying to, stuff? Yeah. 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 So like those guys can make up song lyrics and then just have these conversations that are like, they're like always funny. Like, how are you always funny? Like every time you're hilarious. Like that's, that's a, a, a strange skill to have. And it's like the coolest thing in the world to me. Mm-hmm. When you see someone like Wayne Brady, that's just an expert at that, you just know they've done the reps a million times. You know, they started out just going to classes or whatever in tiny theaters, but you just do that night in and night out and you do the reps and like, you're just going to become a master of that. For sure. You know, uh, one of the things, cause Greg Hamilton uh, told me, cause Dave Chappelle, I think even like during the pandemic, he was doing those small shows. Uh, his, he, I think his, wherever he lives in, in Ohio uh, and Greg has been to a bunch of those. So as soon as I forgot, maybe he just posted on his Instagram or something. But as soon as I found out, my mind was blown. Uh, Cause I think he, one of his specials, I can't remember the name um, where he, he actually talks about George Floyd. Um, yeah. It was like, the special was called like, you know, eight, it was like the minutes and seconds. It was you know? right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And I couldn't remember what it was, but anyways, uh, Greg went to one of those shows. And one of the things I love with Dave is he can be absurdly funny, but he can just be, wildly empathetic and knowledgeable and tell you, he would just at times just tell these stories from, from decades ago and talk about uh, race relations or how things were in that town. Uh, so I, I, I love stand-up comics because I think the very best are just great observers of our world. Yeah, and you look at like, you know, George Carlin, he was another of those types that he would make you laugh, but also have these like incredible observations about just the world and people. And so I think I, the, I, the ability I, to show you your world and the way that you already see it, but to give you that little bit of perspective. So it's like, man, the things are like this, but like, you know, we can laugh at this part, but really listen to this part because that's what we're really saying over here. But you can laugh and have fun. But remember, this over here is pretty important. It, that's why I think that stuff holds up more like the Carlin and Chappelle type stuff that, that's a little deeper holds up more than like, you know, E, I know you love Seinfeld and Seinfeld's a legend, obviously, but his stand up stuff, especially when I go back, you're looking at me like my Wi-Fi is dropping oh, yeah. out. <laughs> like, I, I see some of his old uh, Letterman sets and stuff, and it is very much just that kind of stereotypical. Oh, let me tell you about this story in the cab on the way here. I had this cab driver. That it's just very set up punchline, very kind of dated, you know, formula. Whereas I think like if you go back and watch old like Carlin or Chappelle stuff, like I think that's that holds up better than no i i've always felt that way i've never loved his stand-up i've yeah and i've watched his, his like more recent specials and thought oh that was that was enjoyable i guess that was solid but he's never been 
his stand-up isn't the reason I love it. It's the show. The show, I think, is incredible. Uh, but yeah, I don't think his stand-up is, is otherworldly. It's the show, and then, like, as you learn more about Larry David, once Curb became a thing, you realize how much it was Larry that made that show great, you know? Right, 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 yeah. Not, Larry, to, not to disparage Seinfeld or anything, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's a legend and everything, but, like, I feel like it was Larry David that made that show what it was. No, you're, you're spot on, because uh, for anyone who doesn't know, like, George is Larry David. The, the character George is based around Larry David. And I feel like if you ask Seinfeld fans who their favorite is, no one really ever replies Jerry. Jerry's just kind of, like, the stabilizing force, often the straight man, and you have three really well flushed out, funny, entertaining characters around him and just great stories. But yeah, he was, uh, I, again, not to take anything away from, yeah, the heart of that show is Larry David. And uh, I also love his random, the times he pops up where he's like the cashier in the episode with the, the lipstick on the on the bill, he's there. Or he wears a cape in one episode because he, he's, uh, he's George's dad's, uh, he's Frank Costanza's lawyer. And they're really confused as why his lawyer has a cape. He, they see him on the street in a cape. So I love his random appearances uh, on the show. Worked at like a newsstand, obviously Steinbrenner. Like you'll, you'll, you'll hear him off camera a lot for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Nah, he's... Uh, yeah, he's the man. You ever hear the story about when he uh, quit uh, SNL? Mm -mm. I love this story. Well, you know the Seinfeld where George quits and just shows up again, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. That's based on, uh, so Larry David worked at SNL. And like his whole like, you know, couple years there or whatever, he only got one sketch on the air. He was a writer. And he was so furious at Lorne Michaels that, you know, he would never pick his sketches and stuff like that, that finally he like worked up the nerve to like, I'm going to go into Lorne's office and I'm going to let him know that like, you know, I'm, I'm done with this crap and everything. I'm out of here. And he went in and he quit. And then like on his drive home, he says he was thinking like he was doing the calculations in his head about like how much he had in savings and how many months of rent he could pay for and stuff. <laughs> and so he just showed up at SNL the next day and no one said anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so when did it end? Did he keep showing up day in after day? Yeah, like was, he just worked there still was until it was over. I mean, he like it. he had a natural like exit, but like he didn't quit the way he's like he told Lauren I'm quitting, but then just showed up and worked out the rest of his contract or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> really? See, I wonder if that's a situation where Lauren would be like, Oh, he was like doing a bit, or he's like, No, I I get it. I get it, buddy. It's yeah. okay. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Maybe. I, I love any stories of like those SNL guys that like just couldn't get anything on there. Like Jay Moore has a book about it and it just seems like such a unique, weird working environment. And so stressful too, because like you can't prep too much stuff because so much of the, like the sketches are timely. So you got to wait until week of, you know, it's like South Park where they turn around in six days. You can't plan Which on a year amazing. and a half. Amazing. It's nuts. It's Have I, you seen that documentary, that, Six Days There? Yes. It's, it's nuts. so insane. Yeah. So they're legit like putting the, the, the episode together and they have like two hours to get it to Comedy Central. They'll just like, well, we have to change this because this happened, so change it, change it. It's like, fine. And they go back in and fix everything. It's like, wow. Yeah, versus like the traditional like Simpsons or Family Guy stuff where they they write it and storyboard it out. Then they send it to like an animation shop in Korea and it takes like months or weeks or whatever to come back. Like South Park turns it around six days every time. Is that why the animation is kind of crude? You know, it started that way, like in the first season or maybe the first two seasons, it was literal like cardboard and they were, they were moving it around and stuff like that. But very quickly, they found a efficient way to basically do that. They have very high tech computer animation tools that they use to to make it look crude. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, that was just always the art style. So it'd be weird if suddenly they looked like photorealistic Cartman <laughs> in season four, you know? <laughs> right, right. You like, see his pores. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild to me that that show is still on. Because, uh, like, I just remember hearing about it in middle school and watching it and, like, knowing we're not supposed to. Yeah, 97, like, it debuted. Yeah. yeah. And then you can hear that they're still hitting the most relevant social topics and they just haven't stopped being on TV. And then it makes it's me think— It's like, like The Simpsons, though, where it's just, like, it's been on so long and it's just so weird because, like, I grew up on The Simpsons. I, like, worship The Simpsons. But at this point, there's, like, two times as many Simpsons episodes I haven't seen than the ones I have just because, like, yeah. it kind of fell off quality-wise. And, you know, I haven't really kept up with South Park the last few years, so I don't know if that's still going strong or, or what. We we have a friend who's obsessed with The Simpsons, and uh, I didn't know anything about, like, the the— writers or anything like that or producers or anything. I just always watched Simpsons as a kid. And she explained to me like the Conan O'Brien used to be a writer on The Simpsons. Yeah. And she's like, oh, do you like this episode? And this one? And this one? And this one? She's like, this is the Conan era. That's Monorail, like Homer Goes to College. Yeah, all the best ones. And I was like, I, was like, <gasps> I should yeah. watch more Conan O'Brien. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I, I went to a Simpsons table read at Fox Studios. At it was E3 a couple years ago, and a producer for The Simpsons was apparently a fan of like my video game stuff. And so he reached out to me, he DM'd me. He was like, "Hey, I know you're a big Simpsons fan. Do you want to come to a table read?" I was like, "Yes, I do." And so to be sitting there, like right next to like Dan Castellaneta, who plays Homer and, and and Abe and all these guys, and then like he's reading the script and Homer's voice, and it's just the weirdest thing. This voice I've heard a billion times in my life. I'm looking at a man that's not doing a Homer impression. I'm literally seeing Homer's voice come out of a human man's head that's sitting next to me. It's just, it was very, very surreal. I've got the script from that session, like hanging on my wall right next to me. That's so cool. Yeah. And uh, speaking of South Park never ending, uh, this is actually the ending of this podcast. Mm, nice. Yeah. There was, there was my segue, ladies and gentlemen. It's good well, one. 8.5 out of 10, I'd say. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Knee, knee bent a little bit. I'm landing. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this. We appreciate it. Uh, this chill version. Hope you learned a little bit more about your boy, Dan Reichert, the man behind the camera. I didn't know what word to use. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going with that either. It's a like, microphone, uh, but then I'm also not mainly on that, so I don't know, behind yeah, the screen. Like, we all are, and it's like, okay, Dan, yeah. our man Dan. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, go ahead and tell your friends about it. Tell them to go listen to it. Just search wherever they listen to their podcast, type in The New Day, and click the pink picture of the three black guys' faces on it. That is this podcast. It helps us out. And you can check me out on Up, Up, Down, Down on the YouTubes and go to UUDDshop.com for all your Up, Up, Down, Down apparel. And check me out on the Instagram and the Twitters at Austin Creed Wins, baby. Wait, what are these hands? I'm, I'm, that's me saying, Dan, what would you like to plug? Oh, this, this is the coffee spot. You're in the coffee plug. spot. Oh, I'm the coffee spot. Okay. Then I got to keep it short and just say my name. Well, okay. no, do you, do you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, I, all I got is a uh, Dan Reichert on all the, you know, the Twitter and the Instagram and then R Y C K E R T. Uh, that's where you'll find me. And where can they find you on Twitch? Dan Reichert. Yeah. Good. Well, that TV. That. Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm at WWE Biggie on Twitter and on Instagram. But once I cash in and get that last name back, it'll be back to at Biggie Langston. Biggie Langston. I'm going to go to Stanford. I'm going to have a camera crew with me and I'm going to knock on someone's door and say, I'd like to cash in for the last name. And they're going to be confused. But I say, read the fine print. It's at Biggie Langston now. And I'm sure a lot of people will actually be disappointed in me. That probably will hurt my career in many ways, uh, you know, because uh, that's not the most effective use in many people's eyes of that briefcase. But that's how I choose to live my life. Don't judge me. Don't you do it. Uh, but that's all I got at WWE Biggie on Twitter and on Instagram. Also watch Laser Wolf because it's a really fun show. I just had fun doing it. And I like to do more of that. Watch it. It's on HBO Max. And uh, get the podcast shirt on the I wanted to say the up, up, down, down shop. It's <laughs> apparently I've been lying to people for a minute. I got to stop doing that. Uh, it's not there. It is on WWE shop. So go there. And uh, our faces are on it. And I like that shirt a lot. And it's it's black. And we don't have many black shirts that we offer. So if you like black shirts, that that's one. And, and I'm done. I'm sorry for rambling. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That, thank you. That, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>